I'll just let you know that I'm calling in from the East Coast, the land of the Muncie, Lenape, and Merrick peoples of Long Island. And so it's pretty late here. It's 1020. Um, but it would be lovely to hear where you all are calling in from. And also, if you just take a breath and check in with yourself and maybe you'd want to put in the chat a word or a phrase that captures how you're doing, what's alive for you, what's on your heart, what's, you know, what are you noticing in your body? So just to have a sense of um, what's here in the space. Thank you for your check-ins coming in. There's peace, there's stiffness and gratitude and stress and joy. Intense but grateful, relief, exhausted, gratitude. Feeling low, grateful and peaceful, on vacation, managing dizziness and nausea, activated, uplifted, hesitation, needing some grounding, ready to be here, sadness, self-compassion, Grateful, a little anxious, inspired, overwhelmed. Yeah. Eating popcorn. Thank you for your shares. Uh, I just want to um, really honor all the things that have been shared and whatever. Whatever you, you're noticing, whether you put something in the chat or not, just um, welcoming all of ourselves into this space, whatever is happening for us. Um, and to whatever degree we can, making space for that reality. And so we'll uh, begin with the meditation which uh, hopefully will also give us the sense that we can be just as we are with whatever's here. Um, and then uh, we'll take a short break um, just before the top of the hour, and then we'll come back for the talk and some time for questions and reflections together. So whatever position is supportive for you for this time of practice, please um, take a moment to 
feel into your body and choose what will be supportive for you. Um, whether you want to sit or stand or lie down. Um, choosing a posture that helps you to be present and also relaxed and at ease to connect with your body and and be present. So connecting through the lower part of your body to the earth and feeling the support of the earth. Letting yourself be held by the earth just as you are right in this moment. Releasing the weight of your body onto the support of whatever is supporting you. And knowing that ultimately the earth is taking your weight. And see if you might release a little more fully onto this support. Softening, opening. Through the upper body, connecting to the sky. Allowing the head, the neck, the spine to grow up into the sky and take as much space as you would like to. Extending down, extending up and taking your place where you are occupying your body, fully occupying the space where you are fully. Front, back, side to side. Inviting the various parts of yourselves that may be elsewhere to return and simply be here.
gathered all under one roof, the roof of your awareness, your mindful attention, in the shelter of the now. Allowing the breath to unify body and mind. Being aware of the in-breath and aware of the out-breath. or bringing attention to body sensations, to the sense of pressure, touch, temperature, the pulsing of blood in the veins, the movement of various parts of the body with the breath, giving yourself over to this moment as fully as you can. Releasing the thought swirls and the stories and the very delicious things that the mind wants to think about or Engage to escape this moment, renouncing that as many times as you need to, to simply taste the simple flavor of this moment, this breath, these physical sensations. the reality of right here and right now.
Inviting in the possibility of rest. Letting this time be as restful, as easeful as possible. Whenever the mind agitates and maybe begins to tire you through all of its machinations. Release that gently, lovingly, and return to this restful attentiveness to what is unfolding moment to moment without an agenda, without judgment, Noting simply what's here. Resting back into what's here.
Returning to the sensations of the breath or the sensations in the body to refresh your mindfulness, to reestablish your attention whenever you need to while continuing with this restful releasing practice of simply being, allowing to be whatever is here, whether in your body or mind.
In this last part of the meditation, feeling into your own goodness for making this effort to be present, to be aware. Feeling the goodness of coming together in community to practice. And sharing this good energy, this wholesome aspiration with anyone, anywhere that may benefit from it. Seeing how connected we are with those that are suffering in the world, with those that are struggling in some way, and gently sharing from the heart the goodness of this practice with anyone who may need this support.
Thank you, dear friends, for your practice. And we'll take um, five minutes and come back at the top of the hour. So take care of your body.
So welcome back. So I wanted to just um, let you know some ways to um, stay connected. Uh, Emiko will put some links in the chat uh, with a monthly newsletter, a Buddhist Christian group that I teach with my partner. Our next uh, session is November 28th. And a Thursday weekly noon group for BIPOC, a Black Indigenous People of Color that meets through the Garrison Institute. You're welcome to drop in on that if you identify as BIPOC. And then two books that are coming, one that is already out and one that's going to be released in mid-February. Healing Our Way Home, Black Buddhist Teachings on Ancestors, Joy, and Liberation that I have um, co-authored with two um, Black Dharma teacher friends. So I would like to share with you tonight about how we might navigate uncertainty with awakened tenderness. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, stress in our collective mind with all that we don't know, with all that is um, disrupted at the moment, maybe in our personal lives, but also collectively. And there's a, there's a skillful way that we can work with this unknown. So some years ago, I was trying to navigate um, a lot of uncertainty around my path. I had been a monastic for... Um, all of my adult life, basically, and as part of trying to discern what what my path should be, I spent time at the Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts several years in a row doing their long retreat in the fall, and um, it was a very important time of pause of looking deeply, of slowing down, and really connecting with myself, with my with my authentic, uh, all the things I didn't know, all the messiness of not having an answer of what I should do, how I should be. Um, and just letting my consciousness take its time to find its way. The 
because when I ordained at the age of 25 as a nun, I assumed I'd be doing this for my whole life. And so when this question, when this very confronting question of, of maybe this isn't my path anymore, when that arose, it was very painful and confusing. Um, I wasn't prepared for, you know, rewriting, re- redrawing the blueprint in a sense. And so in that time of transition, which lasted about four years, I didn't know who I was anymore. I had no idea who I might become. And I was in the midst of a process, kind of like a caterpillar that has to dissolve itself completely in the chrysalis in order to become a butterfly. So it was terrifying and extremely uncomfortable when I wanted answers and clarity, when I had been used to knowing where I was going. Joseph Goldstein was one of my interview teachers on these retreats at IMS, and when I shared how distressing it was to find myself with no solid ground under me whatsoever, he mentioned Alan Watts' book, The Wisdom of Insecurity, And it points out that when we're clear and sure about what we're doing, we can't be open to the many other possibilities that are available. But when we let ourselves hang out in this space of not knowing, there's enormous potential and life can unfold in innumerable ways. So rather than avoid and fear this place of uncertainty, we can embrace it, we can lean into it, we can recognize that it it offers us a real gift. And so what I found on these long retreats was not an answer to my conundrum, to my dilemma of whether to disrobe or return to the monastery and continue as a nun, but rather the ability to just dwell with the question, with the not knowing, with the uncertainty, to be okay with not having an answer. And I learned to allow the seed of my question of what I should be doing with my life. I allowed that to rest in the deeper layers of my consciousness. And I found I could touch peace and joy and well-being in the midst of not knowing, in the midst of awkwardness and confusion. And so I learned to let go of fear and resistance right in the midst of dissolving and losing my identity. The sense of surrender to what was carrying me to somewhere I didn't know what the destination was. But rather than fighting that, I was learning to flow with it. And so this slowing down of this silent practice 
this resting back into the uncertainty rather than fighting it allowed me to touch a sense of space precisely in moments when it felt like I was so overwhelmed there was no way to keep going. So this practice of breathing, of putting our mind completely on whatever is unfolding in this moment, the breath, the body, our senses, it helps us to create that space in moments where it feels like there's no possible room. (laughs) Because the, the fear or the discomfort or the panic is so big. But if we, if we can connect with just what's happening right here, we slow things down, we let our nervous systems recalibrate, recenter. And then even though the external situation may not have changed, we have changed in relationship to the external situation. And so if we can stop, we have the chance to touch into something deeper than overwhelm. And so this practice of pausing, stopping, simply being with what's here, it helps this seed of our question to mature and ripen into the guidance and direction that we need. So, In the present moment, we can know what's arising. We don't know how the future will unfold. But we know that the future is an extension of the present moment. The future is made of the present. So if we take care of the present, really being fully with what's here and now, then we are taking care of the future. And so what I learned in this time was rather than worry and scheme and try to control, I could relax and touch real profound ease right in the here and now even though I didn't know what the future would hold. And I think that's the best way to attract what we want into our lives. And the best way to take care of the future is to really commit ourselves to what's right in this moment. That's the only thing that's guaranteed to us, is what's right here and now, nothing else is guaranteed. And so if we don't, um, if we don't really dwell in this moment, then um, that's what becomes the future. And that's what we're training, that's what we're practicing, that's what we're habituating our minds towards. And so it's, I think, very hard for the future to bring us what we really want. Because we're not, we're not here.
So this, this committing ourselves to what's here, even when it's really painful and difficult, right? This dissolving into the chrysalis. I think that's not just a personal, in, individual experience. Right now it's a, it's a collective experience too. Our society in many ways is breaking down. There are things, structures that are that are not as dependable. And maybe we are entering a kind of chrysalis as a as a humanity. And things that we identify with, that we take as our foundation, maybe breaking down. And we don't know what the next phase will be like. And so we're in a cocoon. And so learning to surrender, practicing this awakened tenderness, just being with the messiness of our own lives, it's very important for the collective ability to move through this time of faster and faster change and disruption and upheaval. So this practice of softening into what we would normally tense up against can be very um, important. So there's a Hopi teaching about our times that speaks to this surrendering and flowing with. This is from an elder, an unnamed Hopi elder of the Hopi nation in Oribe, Arizona. And they say, there is a river flowing now very fast. It is so great and swift that there are those who will be afraid. They will try to hold on to the shore They will feel they are torn apart and will suffer greatly. Know the river has its destination. The elders say we must let go of the shore, push off into the middle of the river, keep our eyes open and our heads above water. And I say, see who is in there with you and celebrate. At this time in history, we are to take nothing personally least of all ourselves. For the moment that we do, our spiritual growth and journey comes to a halt. The time for the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude and your vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. We are the ones we've been waiting for. So there's this sense, even in the midst of breakdown, there's this sense of trust. Could you, could you touch that in this, in this teaching? This, this sense that things are really moving fast and they're kind of violent, right? They're 
things are sweeping us into the river. We can't resist that. But but what would it mean to, to know that it has this river has a destination that we can we can work with this moment. And that if we if that's our attitude, we're much more likely to move through it more gracefully, more easefully. Right? And not even just survive it, but they say to celebrate, to see who's with us, to look around, to see who is in our community and to to really affirm that, who we have in our lives, how we might collaborate and work together. There's another uh, beautiful story that, for me, expresses this awakened tenderness in the face of uncertainty. This is from Kitisaro, uh, a former monk, a teacher, something he wrote. He says, illness wasn't a teacher I would have chosen, but there was nothing I could do about it. Until that point, I had basically been able to accomplish whatever I wanted through willpower, study, and persistence. I'd been able to bend circumstances to my desires. My sense of self was intimately connected with my success. Then I spent years struggling with chronic pain, overpowering weakness, digestive disorders, internal bleeding, and so on. Though I saw doctors and healers and underwent myriad treatments, I couldn't overcome the illness. Unable to participate in the normal monastic routine, I felt like a failure. Fortunately, the Buddha taught that sickness, old age, and death are heavenly messengers, and that to live in denial of these truths results in suffering. My illness taught me how to die. In other words, how to surrender to what I couldn't change and how to make peace with the painful and confused states of body and mind that I encountered. My capacity for patience deepened, and in moments when I wasn't feeling sorry for myself or wishing my life were otherwise, I discovered that there is a deep part of ourselves that is never sick, that never dies. That unyielding illness which refused to follow my orders brought me to a place where I lost everything I thought I was. Then I found what remains, which no one can take away. So this beautiful practice Kitisaro shares of Yielding of softening when we're met with uncertainty. Not trying to control. This surrendering, letting go, allowing, not pushing, not stiffening. 
And so why don't we try this right in this moment if there's anything that you're struggling with or trying to figure out, you could bring that to mind. And let yourself physically rest back, like let your body move back a few inches. Relax and to whatever degree you can and soften into this not knowing, into this challenge, into this fearful experience or uncomfortable experience? What would it mean to meet that with an opening rather than a closing down? To become curious about what it has to teach us rather than pushing it away and judging it. Let the body, let the muscles become more flaccid, become more tender. As you rest back. But maybe the situation could be quite different than how you're seeing it. There may be other dimensions that you haven't seen. So a friend, uh, Valerie Brown, is a Dharma teacher, and she used to be a lobbyist on Capitol Hill. And uh, she shared about sitting across from politicians who were often not sympathetic to her concerns, people she could easily feel hostility toward. But instead of stiffening, instead of this flare of reactivity that would be so easy to to pick that direction, she would consciously soften her body and release and open to that person, to that situation. And she shared that the conversation would often flow in surprising ways and lead to surprising results and unexpected collaborations when she would move counter to her, her habit, to her instinct, to push away, to want to control. It feels like a Jedi move from Star Wars, this working with the energy in in the space.
So when we don't know what's coming, when we are faced with uncertainty, our bodies actually perceive that as a threat biologically. So even if we aren't physically threatened right now, just not knowing what's coming can automatically create fight or flight or freeze kind of tension and inability to think clearly and relate skillfully with others. And these kinds of reactions are actually adaptive. They're part of what has helped us survive as a species, but not when they're chronic, right? They're, they're meant to be used in acute situations where we need to to survive. But right now we are living in a time of of chronic overwhelm with climate crisis, with uh, wars, with um, all the many disrupted systems But we also can work with our brains, our plastic brains, our nervous systems to um, to help ourselves in this time of chronic stress and overwhelm, this sense of being threatened. One of the um, systems in our being that we all have access to, it's it's called the social engagement system or the attachment system. And it evolved in mammals in order to express safety. So it involves uh, facial expression and literally turning towards person or the being. And we can consciously turn on our social engagement system. And this dampens the fight, flight, freeze response. It promotes a natural desire for social contact. And it brings health and well-being in our bodies so we can recruit our nervous system to help ourselves and help others as well. And so one way to do this as a way to hold this chronic um, sense of stress from being threatened by uncertainty, one way to use this social engagement system is to bring someone to mind See someone's face. Just imagine and see see someone you care about in your mind and speak to them in a gentle way. 
And this works on us, even if it's just in our minds, because we know that when our imagination is activated, it has the same effect on our body and mind as if we were doing that in real life. So, um, so we can use this practice to build our resilience. So let's try in this moment to, to bring someone's face to your mind or form. Maybe it's an animal being that you care about. Some being that you feel love for, that you feel safe with. Someone who's supported you, or a beloved pet. It may even be a tree or a beautiful place in nature. So allow this to come to mind. It can help to close your eyes. and turn towards this being with care, with kindness, and let yourself come close to this being and express your care and tenderness. Maybe you take their hand or put your arm around their shoulder. Maybe you put a hand on their cheek or pet their fur or you plant a kiss on their brow or you hug the thick trunk of your tree. and say their name and whisper to this being, I love you, or I care about you, or whatever feels appropriate to you. And feel how this resonates inside of you. And so I'll close my offering with a, a caress, a kiss to, to offer love to all beings. This is Shanti Deva's prayer. May all beings everywhere, plagued by sufferings of body and mind, obtain an ocean of happiness and joy. By virtue of our merits, may no living creature suffer, commit evil, or fall ill. May no one be afraid or belittled with a mind weighed down by depression. May 
Those whose bodies are worn with toil be restored on finding repose. May the naked find clothing, the hungry find food. May the thirsty find water and delicious drinks. May the poor find wealth, those weak with sorrow find joy. May the forlorn find hope, constant happiness and prosperity. May there be timely rains and bountiful harvests. May all medicines be effective and wholesome prayers bear fruit. May all who are sick and ill quickly be freed from their ailments. May the frightened cease to be afraid and those bound be freed. May the powerless find power and may people think of benefiting each other. May there be no place at war. May all places of conflict be at peace. For as long as space remains, for as long as sentient beings remain, until then may I too remain to dispel the miseries of the world. And may guide to the Bodhisattva's way of life. Thank you so much for your kind attention. And we'll uh, open up the space now for about 15 minutes. If you have questions or reflections, you can share them in the chat and Emiko will read them. Or you can raise your hand. Can we also do raising hand? Yeah. And then you can ask your question or your, share your comment directly. Hi, Stephen, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to find a solution, and and I was listening to... Can you hear me? Okay. So, um, this is a long time ago, four years ago, and uh, I, I was fired as a substitute teacher, and I didn't do anything wrong. And I wrote a letter to the principal about a year and a half ago. And I thought that was it. I just said that it was unjust. And I'm writing this to let it go. But right now, it came back. And I'm really struggling with contacting her again because I feel like I don't know what to expect. I mean, she might say, you know, she might call the police or something like that. I don't know. I don't trust her. And, um, but I feel like I've been damaged and I want to heal myself. And, um, I'm just not sure how to do it except to confront her because I really don't want to live with this hurt inside for the rest of my life. But it's a really deep hurt. Yeah. And uh, I just don't know 
I just don't want it. And I feel yeah. like I'm going to just tell her I don't want it and that I didn't do anything incorrect. I'm just not, I'm just so afraid to deal with her yeah. because I think that it's going to be very legalese and not yeah. human. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this situation. And, um, One of the, the beautiful teachings that Thich Nhat Hanh, my teacher, would often share is reconciliation takes place within oneself. That, yes, we, we desperately want other people to see us the way we see ourselves, to not judge us, to not wrongly accuse us, to... Um, to accept and love us, but that is not in our control. What is in our control is our own ability to take good care of ourselves. And as you expressed just now, a lot of fear about reaching out, trying to reconcile in a way with this person. You don't trust them. They, they, may, um, they may harm you if you try to do this. And so what would it mean to turn towards the feeling of being wronged with great care, with great kindness, to just be with that feeling, you yourself, that you take care of that feeling in you and go to its root. Where is the root of that, of that feeling? Because other people ultimately do not do not um, have the key to our happiness. Getting acceptance from someone else is not ultimately what will make us be at peace. We we can do that regardless of what someone else thinks about us. And so getting with being really there with that feeling of being rejected, of being wrongly accused, of maybe being betrayed, or all of the, the realm of feelings, but with deep compassion for yourself and, and reconciling with yourself that that situation may lead to some clarity about some kind of effective action that, that may still be possible or it may lead to simply releasing it at a deeper level than, than what, what's happened so far. But demanding that other people get with our program so that we can be at peace. This isn't not successful strategy. I I understand that, but I've been holding off for four years now. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking for that other place inside of me where I could resolve. And um, I don't seem to be able to to access Mm -hmm. that place. And Mm -hmm. I've gone to 
you know, hundreds of hours of therapy and mm. meditation retreats and spoke to Jack Cornfield for hours. Mm. Mm. And nothing really seems to work. Mm. Mm. What what would it mean to accept that? Accept to to accept accept that that this is this is how it is. That you feel stuck. That nothing seems to work. What would it mean not to fight that experience, but to see well what's here that I still may be able to learn from? Like the story I read of Kitisaro, who had this illness, he tried all kinds of ways to treat the illness, and it didn't go away, it didn't go away, it didn't go away. Until finally, he learned that he was more than that illness. Maybe this is something that won't ever go away, this feeling. But how can you find freedom with this feeling? That's possible. I wish I could. I really wish I could. Yeah. And there's a lot of pain with this. Yeah. And um, yeah. and I want to be released of this. Yeah. And I wish I could just let it go. And and what about what about making space for it more, making more space for it rather than when we try to get rid of things, they stay around longer. What about turning towards, opening Um, more to this? I'm going to ask uh, that we finish this so that we can also have questions from others. But I think this is something to continue to practice with. It's it's a teacher. It's sticking around because there's there's more to learn about it. Yeah, but you're not doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. I hope you can feel into that. Just keep opening, making more space for this, asking, what's here? What does this experience want to teach me? And there just may may just be a lot more to, to learn from it. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So there's a, a question in the chat. Does psychotherapy or psychoanalysis help with the process of enlightenment? Um, I think it does in my experience and, and others that there are, it's a, it's a, a helpful tool along the path of, of knowing better elements in ourself. And um, I think we have to see what is our motivation for doing psychotherapy and psychoanalysis. Some schools of psychotherapy and psychoanalysis, um, their aims may not be um, aligned with the aim of enlightenment. 
And some kinds of psychotherapy are psychological work may be aligned with the, the um, process of enlightenment, of walking the path of enlightenment. So I think it's important to um, know why you're doing what you're doing, whether you're practicing meditation or doing therapy, is um, I think sometimes therapy can help with um, let's see, like it can help with certain layers of our being so that we can be more um, open, more receptive to um, teachings that can help us awaken on another layer of our being, so they can be very complementary. But they are, I think, often they have different aims, and so it's important to know why we're picking up that tool and when it's time to do, use a different tool or use it, that tool in a different way to support um, enlightenment practice. Um, but I think where they are in alignment is that in psychotherapy, we want to see the things that are not in view, that are hidden from our understanding. And that's the same with the Dharma, with the path of enlightenment is there are things that are operating beneath the surface that we don't see and we awaken when we see them clearly yeah so that's that's common common ground and there's wonderful overlaps of therapists who are practitioners and there's you know people who combine the two so and schools of therapy that combine um, spiritual awakening. So there are ways to bring the two together. Shakti, please. Hi. Hi. Um, So, I I wanted to just introduce some of the layers of I I found that your your meditation was really helpful. I have many layers of challenges that I'm I'm facing. Um, I live with chronic illness, and the chronic illness is perpetually presenting new. Um, challenges to my body and I'm so as I was listening to that I was trying to to um, be with what I kind of liked how you were presenting the idea of of not trying to run away with it from it but really being present and and being present in the moment 
also was helping me with some of the anxiety and 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 the unsettled feelings that I've had over the environmental situation and the political situation that have been very, very difficult lately and having um, just the not knowing, I think is really, really important to sit with that. And I also come from both a, a Zen and Vipassana um, background. So I kind of simultaneously practice these two traditions, but the Zen tradition really is um, embracing the don't know mind and constantly letting us just sit within it all. And so I find that that was really helpful. So I guess it's this kind of just feedback for for you and and I know that the the first person who was talking had a lot of distress about a situation but there's there's so many things so many layers that can be presented to us and mm-hmm. I think just being being okay in the present moment has has a lot of value and just you know not you know if I was if I fretted over all of the pain and discomfort and things that I can't do I can't go on retreats because of my disability if I fretted over that constantly, I would be miserable. But I think that, you know, there's a every day, is it just a process of being present and not letting yourself be taken over by, yeah, yeah, by light, lightest inconveniences yeah. or, yeah, distress. yeah. So, so important what you're saying, Shakti. I really appreciate your articulating this and and from your own experience, which is very deep. Um, in a way, uh, how we can conserve our energy, right? When we don't fight the things we can't change. We don't need to make ourselves m- more you know, don't need to give ourselves more suffering or more difficulty. Right? So thank you. Thank you for that beautiful reflection. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can all just try to sit with that. And mm-hmm. and um, gratitude is a really good practice as well. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Appreciate that, Shakti. And so I think we are at, at our time. And uh, just want to thank you all for your presence, for your practice, for your listening. Um, and may we um, 
may we strengthen this capacity that we each have to be with uncertainty in an awakened and tender way so that we can support others in our world to also be be with uncertainty as more and more things become uncertain. So thank you, dear friends and uh, dear Sangha. Maybe we can unmute and say goodbye or good night or whatever you like. And thank you, Amiko. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kyra Joel. Thank you, Sangha. Please, if you'd like to unmute and say goodbye, please do so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kyra. Thank you, Amiko. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.